from Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Now, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, uh, verses 3 and 5. This is one of Paul's epistles or letters And this is what's called one of the pastoral epistles. It's one of the letters he wrote to some leaders in the church. And I want to read you here what he says in verse 3 to 5 in chapter 3. He says this, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done. Let me just repeat that. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. If I can give you the sermon in line, it is this. Only God, the one who created us, can recreate us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, we just thank you that we have an opportunity to hear from your word this morning, and I pray that as as I deliver this, would you be with me? Would you speak through me? But more importantly, would you open ears to hear exactly what you wanna say? Holy Spirit, we believe that you are moving in our midst, and every place where we gather, everyone within the sound of my voice, penetrate our hearts with your word today. Let us live here changed, challenged, encouraged, convicted, and transformed, we pray in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just pray right now for those who, um, I just got on my heart right now as I was praying, those who need a healing touch, God, those who have a physical um, problem going on, I pray in the name of Jesus for healing over them. Lord, as, as I, I stand in this room, wherever they are right now, you see those people who are, who are crying out in pain, God, who have a physical ailment that they need just the power of God to come upon them. Holy Spirit, we speak and believe for healing right now over every body part, Lord, that needs healing in the name of Jesus. We bless your name, God. This is for your glory. Amen. Um, I'm into Star Wars a little bit, and not like to the nerdy level, but I like them. And I know I lost a lot of you the moment I said Star Wars. So I need you to bear with me, okay? I have a point. <laughs> I have something I'm going to share, okay? I have, uh, I have, I have three, we have, we have three kids. We have two boys, um, Eli, Joshua, and then we have a little girl named Emmy, and our boys are into Star Wars, and for the longest time, they've wanted to watch the Star Wars movies. And I've been putting it off for a while because they're, they're young, and they're not really into live action, and the Star Wars movies can be pretty intense, And so I just didn't want them to have nightmares because if they have nightmares, that means they wake up in the middle of the night and then they come and wake us up and I like sleep. So really I'm selfish. I'm a selfish parent, I know, I'm sorry. But I I thought about it a little bit and I thought, do you know what? The, The original Star Wars movies, like the good ones, if you're into Star Wars, aren't that intense. Because like the graphics, you know, the, 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 the technology wasn't there to make, you know, super intense scenes and graphics. So I said, let's give, let's take an afternoon, not late at night. Let's take an afternoon and let's watch A New Hope, the original Star Wars movie. I think it came out in, in 1977 or 78, like something like crazy like that. 
So we sat down. I figured, you know what? They're young. You know, they're not really into live action. They're going to get bored and they're going to get up and walk away and want to go do something else. But sure enough, I was wrong. Like they were gripped. They were glued. They were like just, just all their like Lego creations were coming to life before their eyes. And so for the next three weeks or so, we watched the original three Star Wars movie and my seven-year-old and my five-year-old were glued to the television. Now, they have been begging me, can we watch the other ones? Can we watch the other ones? I said, no, they're too intense. They're too scary. The graphics got better. You know, the, the technology got better. The fight scenes got more intense. I'm like, that is not happening. When you're older, we can do that. But the problem is, is I got into watching them. And so now as, as a 35 adult man, I've been watching the Star Wars movies by myself when I can. You know, 20 minutes here, 15 minutes there, just squeezing in a little bit. And I'm in episode two. And it's not the best movie, but it's part of the story. It's called Attack of the Clones. And in the movie, this is my point, okay? I'm coming to a point. So if you're not into Star Wars, this is where I need you to come in, okay? There are, is a race of people who are known as the cloners. And what they're doing is they're creating an army of clones. And one of the Jedi come, his name's Obi-Wan. He comes and he checks out their planet, checks out their facilities, and, he, and they show him what they've been creating, this like mass army of clones. And they say this, they say, we have, we, have, we have modified the genetic structure to make the clones more obedient and less individualistic, the perfect soldier. And that kind of like just stuck with me, and I got to thinking a little bit about the society that we live in. We live in this very revolutionary, ever-changing, progressive society with incredible advancements in science and technology. And this in many ways has done wonders for us, but there is a problem that I see, and I think we could all agree that the more that we progress in science and technology, um, humanity's moral capacity seems to be lagging further and further behind. Right? We get all these advancements, but our morals seem to be lagging behind. We're, we're progressing in discovery and ability, but we're degressing Morally, and the Bible has a word that kind of helps describe this. It's called the sinful nature. What we're seeing, though, is in this age of progression, with this desire to use modern technology to advance humanity and society in the world, there's this whole sector that's trying to use it to make the human better to make the actual human better. There are genetic engineers and scientists that are working at manipulating the genetic code in order to make a better person, any type of person they want. And there's a term for some of them, they're known as biohackers. Biohackers, whether it is the development of a preborn baby or post-birth, humanity wants to make humans better. Now, the, the interesting thing about this is I've noticed that our society actually recognizes there's a problem, that we're flawed and we can, be, we can be better. And they're attempting to use what is necessary to fix it. But the thing is, technology is not enough to make human race better. Progress, though it's seen as enlightenment, falls short of making men better. Economic restructuring isn't enough. Science and technology cannot change man's basic Nature. Nothing can. No amount of genetic engineering, behavioral modification, wishful thinking can change our nature. We do have a problem. It's a sin problem, and it's rooted deep into our nature. We have a disposition towards sinful tendencies. And that nature draws us further and further away from the Lord and his presence, and no amount of biohacking is going to make us better. Let me bring us back to that main point. Only God, the one who created us, can recreate us. 
Only God, the one who fashioned us from the beginning, who breathed his life into our bodies, can recreate us into the people we need to be. And Jesus has a term for this. And if you've been in church long enough, you've heard it. It's the term being born again. Born again. Just as we've been born physically, so we can be reborn spiritually. And that is what we need. That is the answer to humanity's problem. And the thing is, only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So I want to read today a passage from uh, the Gospel of John, probably the clearest passage in the New Testament that speaks to this process. We're in this series, and just to bring you up to date, called Ghost. We're looking at the Holy Ghost, all things the Holy Spirit. Um, last week, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, his divinity, his, his personal attributes, his divine attributes, um, how um, he exists in relationship to the triune God. Today, we're going to look at his role specifically in regeneration. And then next week, I believe we're going to dive into what it means to be baptized in the Spirit. I want to bring some clarity to that and what it means to be filled with the Spirit. I want to define those terms and hopefully... Because I think that really confuses a lot of people, even in charismatic churches. And then we'll look at what it means to live as a spirit-filled person. So John chapter 3, verses 1 to 15, it says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So this guy is recognizing the power of, of the Spirit on Jesus. Jesus replied, verse 3, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So this is not Paul's words. This is not Peter's words. This is not a religious teacher's words. This is the words of Jesus. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So Jesus is looking at this man. He's thinking, you shouldn't be surprised. As a teacher of the law, you shouldn't be surprised. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it goes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. So John is a disciple of Jesus, and in this gospel, he's recounting an interview that Jesus had with a very uh, influential religious leader named Nicodemus. Now, what I love about Nicodemus is he actually paints a different picture for us of what it means to be a Pharisee. Not all Pharisees were, were hateful, arrogant, religious authorities. We always kind of, in the church, we paint them as the bad guys, and for the largest part, they were, you know, bad guys. Uh, but they weren't always. They were the religious people. They were the churchgoers of their day and age. Like, when people look at churchgoers today, that's how we look at Pharisees back in the time of Jesus. He believed... In, in Jesus, he believed that Jesus had come from God, and so he was genuinely curious to know more. There were Pharisees that were honestly trying to seek after God, and Nicodemus was one of them. Now, we know from the scripture that he was a member of the Sahandrin, which was the ruling uh, council of, Jewish, of the Jewish nation. He was highly influential. 
And because of his position, he was very uh, likely wealthy. Now, as a devout Jew, as a uh, uh, Pharisee, a religious leader, um, Nicodemus probably fasted twice a week. He was probably at the temple praying every day. Um, He knew the scriptures. He taught the scriptures. He tithed from his income. In some regard, he was the model of what it means to be a follower after God. He was kind of like your, your, your poster boy of what it means to follow after God. But right from the beginning of the conversation that Jesus had with them, Jesus makes it clear that religious observance doesn't save you. No amount of doing the right things saves from sinfulness. No amount of doing the religious thing saves you from sinfulness. Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And there's that term, born again. I remember as a kid being really confused about that. I remember as a teenager thinking it was like the, the really super, you know, Christian thing to say. And it was kind of like the super religious term. But Jesus is saying this here. And Nicodemus is confused, obviously. How can someone be born again? Who can enter the womb a second time? Like, I wonder if he's been a little facetious here. Like, who would want to enter the womb a second time, Jesus? Like, that's, I've been there three times, not been, I have been in the womb, I'm I'm birthed, but I've watched birth happen. Who would want to enter the second time? How can this, how is this possible? He's confused. And then Jesus replies to him, he says, "This, this birth, this regeneration, it's accomplished through the Holy Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And then he uses that, that wind as an example. And if you were with us last week, if you tuned in and watched, we, we noted that the, the term, the word wind in the original Greek language is pneuma and it's translated as wind. Sorry, the word spirit is the Greek word pneuma and it's translated as wind. Only those who have been born of the spirit can enter the kingdom of God. Now here's what this means. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. I don't know how many times we need to receive this message. It doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter how many church services you attend. It doesn't matter how many church services you watch online. It doesn't matter how many scriptures you have memorized. It doesn't matter how much you give, how much you serve. These things cannot save you. It doesn't matter how nice of a person you are. Every Canadian is nice. We are known around the globe to be nice. These things do not bring about salvation. Only those, Jesus said, who have been regenerated by the Spirit of God can enter the kingdom of God. And only God, the one who created us, can recreate us. Now, John, when he's speaking of the kingdom of God, I mentioned this in our our Mark series, he means the age to come. So most Jews, they separated time into two categories. There was the present age, which was marked with evil and injustice and demonic rebellion and disease and death. And this would be the age that we're in. And then there was the future age to come, which was the future remade new. It was the world renewed and transformed by God. It's what John speaks of in Revelations 21 when he talks about the new heaven and the new earth. It's the future world renewed and recreated by God. It's the kingdom of God Um, that he's speaking of is, is the eternal reign of God. It's when he would usher in judgment and he would resurrect the dead and he would come and live and renew earth. Now think of the shock. You gotta think of the shock if you're Nicodemus here. You've spent your entire life studying, teaching, following the law of God only to discover right now it's not enough. It's not enough. 
Your religiosity is not enough. Being good is not good enough. It's not about what you do necessarily. It's about being born again. It's about being transformed. It's about being changed and renewed and made new from the inside out. And here's the thing, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. You can't engineer that. You can't manipulate that. You can't read self-help books to help you in that. No amount of that is going to work. Why? Because only the Holy Spirit can. Why is it that only the Holy Spirit can? Because we are sinners and we've been marked and messed and twisted and corrupted by sin. Only the God who created us can recreate us. So I wanna talk kind of systematically on the three things that the Holy Spirit does to to work in us to be reborn. So in this series, we're gonna do kind of probably more theological training than, than just me preaching. But here's the first one, as he convicts. So sin is falling short of God's law. And the easiest way to understand, I I think the easiest way to understand sin is picturing a bullseye and you're an archer and you're repeatedly missing the mark. You're missing the mark. I watched a video the other day online of an archer with impeccable accuracy. Literally, I kid you not, he took like, it was like a Skittle or an M&M and he threw it in the air and then like they did the whole slow motion thing. He grabbed, you know, the arrow out of his what do they call that, a quiver, and, and pulled it back and flung and literally spliced the skittle in half. It was, it was crazy. Then he took a ring. I don't know if it was his ring or whatever, but he, he flung it in the air and he shot the arrow. It grabbed the ring and then it hit the target. And the best one, it was, blew my mind, is he had water dropping just like, like a faucet. You know when a faucet drops just that little drip? You know, and, and every person who who fixes things in their house, just kind of, that drives you nuts. You're just hearing that water droplet. It's like that water dropping just right in front of the target. And he had to have been easily 30 feet away, pulls the arrow back and shoots. And just as it gets close, it goes into slow motion and you see the arrow splice the water droplet in half, like impeccable accuracy. You and me, we don't have that when it comes to sin. We don't have that when it comes to God's law. Sin is continually missing the target of God's standard. It's transgression. It's crossing the line of God's standard, which we all do because nobody's perfect. From the most evil person that you can think of in your mind, and my mind always goes to Hitler, the most evil person that you can think of, to your grandma who could do no wrong. I mean, like, my grandma does a lot of wrong. Pick, pick someone that, that in your mind is like the, the nicest caring, compassionate person. Nobody's perfect. We all fall short. Even the nicest Canadian falls short. Anything that causes us to miss the mark and miss God is sin. This is why some things, not all things, but some things can be sin for one person, not another. Because if something causes you to miss the mark of God's standard, if something causes you to miss God, that is sin for you. It's not necessarily sin for somebody else. And the most devastating effect that sin has on us is it's actually blinded us to our own sin. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, we can't even see that we have sin in our lives. We can't see the wrong. We're missing the target and we don't even know that we're missing the target. This is why Jesus called the religious leaders often blind guides because they were blind to their sin. Only the Holy Spirit, you need to hear this, Only the Holy Spirit 
can open our eyes to Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can convict us of the depths of our sin. Only the Holy Spirit can convince us of the truth of the gospel. So last week I shared this scripture in John chapter 16. Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin, of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. He shows you you're wrong and convinces you of your need for Jesus. One, one person wrote, wrote this. They said, what the Holy Spirit does in new birth, born again, is not to make a man Christian regardless of the evidence, but on the contrary, to clear away the mist from his eyes and enable him to attend the evidence. The Holy Spirit helps you to see your sin so that you can turn to Jesus. The Holy Spirit shows you you're wrong so that you can repent and have faith. He extends grace so that you can open your eyes and have an opportunity to repent. And most scholars agree, this is what John chapter 6, 44 um, means when Jesus said this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Jesus said no one can come unless the Father draws them. And the Father uses the Spirit, the promise, the gift that he talks about in Acts chapter 1 to convict the world of sin and draw them to faith and repentance. He uses his conviction and his convincing to draw you in to relationship with him. If you believe in Jesus today, like you're listening today because you believe in Jesus, if you, if you follow Jesus as Lord of your life, if you've made him God of your life, it's because the Holy Spirit has convicted you of your sin. It's because the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes. And here's the thing you need to know about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's conviction always leads you to God. His conviction never leads you away. That is, that is guilt and the accusations of the accuser. The word Satan, just so you know, our spiritual enemy, the word Satan, the name Satan, actually means accuser. And the accusations of Satan, which will make you feel guilty, will lead you from God. It's what caused Adam and Eve to, to hide in their shame. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit always leads you to the Father. It's the son that comes to the Father and says, I've done wrong, I need you. That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit does. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's a work of grace. It's a work of love. And here's the thing. We can't see our own sin without the Holy Spirit. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, we could never see the truth of God. and We can never recognize our need for salvation. That is why there's so many people in our lives today that don't see their need for Jesus because they are blind to their sin. Which, which makes me think about this. This is important for us to know because if this is true, then we should be continually praying for the Spirit of God to convict and convince hearts. I, I don't know about you, but I got, I got people in my life, I got family, I have friends that don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, that don't believe in God. I got, I got people, I got friends and family that I want to follow God. You know, inviting people to church is, is nice. Inviting them to watch is nice. And I believe the Holy Spirit will use that. But even more so, praying that the Holy Spirit convicts and convinces their heart, that's paramount. 
And here's the thing I was thinking about. If only the Holy Spirit can show us our wrong, if only he can draw us to the Father, then part of the work of evangelism is praying for the Spirit to work. It's not just going. It's, it's, it's also recognizing I'm a vessel. I'm an agent to be used by the Spirit of God. I don't do anything in saving someone. It means that when I, when I share truth or where I share the gospel or I talk about Jesus, I don't need to go walk away and be like, oh man, I said the wrong thing. They're not gonna believe in Jesus anymore because it's not about me, it's about the Spirit of God. I need to recognize I'm a vessel that he uses, but I need to recognize that he's the one that works in the heart, not me. But because of that, I need to be praying that he works in the heart. I need to be praying for my family. I need to be praying for my friends. Because part of the work of evangelism, of going and making more disciples, is praying that the Spirit convicts and convinces. Second thing that he does is he renews. So the Holy Spirit renews your heart. And this is what is meant by the, by the term regeneration. He makes new. When we're talking about heart, we're talking about your inner being, right? Your inner person, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Not talking about your physical heart. Titus chapter 3 Again, says this, he saved us, verse five, not because of the righteous things we've done. There it is again, not because you're a good person. God didn't save you because you're a good person. He didn't look at you and say, man, that person's good. I need him on my team. I want him and part of my, I, oh man, I like that grandma with the night white, white picket fence. She's so compassionate. She bakes cookies for everybody in the neighborhood. Let's, let's get her a part of that. He doesn't save you because you're good, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. We are saved by the rebirth, by being born again by the Holy Spirit. There's that idea again. After convincing you of sin, after drawing you to repentance, if you don't resist, which we'll talk about at the end, and you choose Christ, you are reborn. A change occurs. A transformation happens. You're recreated when the Spirit comes and dwells within you to make you more like Jesus. So in your sin, you are dead. You've probably heard that before. Spiritually, you are dead. You are like a walking zombie. You are lifeless. And if you pay attention in your life, you can notice this with people outside the church, and you can notice this with people inside the church too. There are people that are inside churches today that are not born again. They are lifeless zombies. You're saying, that's really unkind. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you the truth. Call it like I see it. There are people who are in the church and maybe they're there because they've been convicted of their sin, but they have yet to repent. They have yet to turn to Christ. They have yet to truly receive Christ as their Lord and Savior because when that happens, a change occurs, a rebirth occurs, a transformation happens, a regeneration. I know people who, who believe up here, but they don't believe down here. Have you ever heard that before? I know people who've got the head knowledge. I got people in my life that says, yes, I believe that Jesus was a man that was, who was God and came to earth and died and rose again for our sins. And it has done nothing to transform their life. Because they, they've, they have it up here, but they don't have it down here. But when, but when we truly repent and we acknowledge and we accept Christ, that change happens. And sometimes it's drastic. Like you see someone transform overnight. Sometimes it's a process, but a change occurs. And this is why I believe what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter five. He says, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. If anyone is in Christ, they've been born, being, been reborn. And this is a Holy Spirit thing. Now, theologians, they, they argue on exactly when this regeneration happens. 
There's debate on exactly when it happens. Some say that it takes place before the conviction and you're able to see your sin and be convicted of your sin because he's regenerating your heart. Some say it happens at acceptance of Christ, that when you accept Christ, that's when you're regenerated. And some say it occurs after that acceptance. Um, but I, sometimes I see this at work. You know, I've, I've had conversations with some people and they haven't accepted Christ yet as their Lord and Savior. They haven't like verbalized that. They haven't confessed their sin but they're being drawn to him. And I've, I've literally had conversations with people. I said, you know, the Holy Spirit is actually working in you right now. There's, you can see the renewal happening. You can see the regeneration changing them. But regardless of when it happens, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the gift of God. It is the Lord that enables you. You can come because of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. Romans 8, chapter 15 says, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. It is because of the Holy Spirit that we can call on God. You can't do it through behavior modification. You can't do it through good deeds. You can't do it through serving. You can't obtain salvation by any work of your doing. That's called salvation by works. But it's salvation by grace. And this thought, this truth, should humble us and lead us to worship. Thank the Lord that he convicted me of my sin and drew me to himself. And I could not do that. That should humble us and cause us to recognize that we have no capability in ourselves and lead us to give him glory and worship. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Spirit of God, for working in my heart for Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they've been born again. And the third thing that he does is he assures us. I don't know about you, I sure love God and I wanna be more like Jesus and I wanna serve Jesus, but I'm a work in progress. <laughs> like I mess up, I fall short of the standard. A lot of times I'm not like Jesus a lot of time I missed the mark. I still sin. And we still sin even though we've been reborn. Sometimes we lose our tempers. Sometimes pride creeps up. Sometimes greed and selfish ambition make their way in. Our old self pushes through. Hasn't totally disappeared. Even habitual sin can come in and creep in. And this is confusing at times and it can be discouraging and it can even bring about spiritual depression. Like, how is this possible, Lord? And some people get like this. They're like, how, am I saved? Am I truly saved? Like, why am I still battling this? Why am I still dealing with this? Why am I still fighting this? Have I been reborn? Am I born again? Well, here's the thing, because the moment I'm reborn, the, the moment the spirit of God convicts me and I repent and I'm renewed, I'm regenerated, I now have two natures in me. We talked about this in a series a while ago called I Declare War. I have the old nature, which is, which is from being born of the flesh, and I have a new nature, which is from being born of the spirit, the rebirth. The old nature makes me a, a, a child of humanity, and the new nature makes me a child of God. And whenever my old nature pushes through, I can sometimes begin to doubt whether or not I'm still a child of God. 
And this is something I think that our spiritual enemy, the Satan, the accuser, wants us to doubt, the reality of our salvation. Am I saved? Am I really changed? Because if I was, would I still be dealing with this? And this is where the spirit of God in me is so valuable. Romans chapter eight, verse 16 says this. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So I have this, uh, this saying I, I say with my, my boys. Um, Emmy's a little young for me to say it with her. But I'll say it with my boys before they go to bed. Most often on days when they do wrong and I've been upset with them, and they're feeling upset like daddy doesn't love them. And so I'll go to them as I'm tucking them in at night and I'll say, whose son are you? And they'll repeat back to me, I'm your son. And I say, when is that gonna change? And they say, never. And then I'll, as I've been getting a little bit older, I've been asking, what does that mean? I just, I just did with Joshua the other day. And he says, that means that even when I do wrong, you still love me because I want to assure them that they're mine even when they make mistakes. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. He assures us that we belong to God even when we make mistakes. Ephesians chapter one, verse 13, 14, actually considered and still considering doing a message just on this one. It says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. See, the assurance of salvation is this, the Holy Spirit is in you. If, if you actually have a fight in you, you actually have a struggle, you have a battle, it's because you've been reborn. It's assurance because now what exists in you is two natures, one being your reborn nature. Here's the assurance, right? You are now aware that you are a sinner and you're messing up. You, you can only be aware of that. You can only feel the conviction because the Holy Spirit is in you testifying to your spirit. You've been marked with a seal. How do I know I'm born again? Are you feeling convicted of the wrong? Yeah. Are you feeling drawn to Jesus to be more like Jesus? Yeah, but I still mess up. But because you have that struggle, because there's a fight in you, it's because you are saved. I think of Paul, he said it this way. He says, what I wanna do, I don't do those things. And the things I don't wanna do, those are the things I do. And then he says, I see this at work in me, these two natures at work in me, my old self and my new self. The Holy Spirit is in us, convicting us of doing wrong, telling us which way to go and guiding us towards right living. He is the assurance that we are God's. You can't do this on your own. I wanna close with this. I'm gonna invite Matt. Would you come back up, Matt? You know, sometimes where we often struggle, I'll, I'll say this as a side note, sometimes where we often struggle in that battle against sin of, of trying to follow after God, it's because we're trying to do the whole born again thing without the Holy Spirit. We're trying to follow after God without the Holy Spirit 
working in us and we're trying to do it on our own strength and our own measure. But only God, the one who created us, can recreate us. I wanna close with this. The Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the triune God, part of the Godhead. He's divine in nature. He works in you to make you new. He convicts you, he renews you, he assures you, and we can't do that. But we can resist him. We can resist the Holy Spirit. The more that I don't respond to that conviction, the more that I don't respond to his leading and the more I choose to follow my old self, the more I, I choose not to follow the reborn nature, but the more that I choose to sin, I can harden my heart and I can, I can make my heart callous and I can actually push out the voice of God so that I can no longer hear his voice. There can actually come a point, the more that I resist those nudges, those convictions, those convincings, those pokes by the Holy Spirit, the more that I resist those, I'm pushing myself further and further away from the voice of God so that slowly, that's why it's often called a slow fade, slowly I will no longer hear his voice. The voice that I once recognized, I will no longer um, here in Gen Gen Genesis chapter six, verse three, I, I believe it says that the spirit will not contend with man forever. He will not strive with you if you keep resisting him. Proverbs 29 verse one says, whoever remains stiff necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Now, no one knows the point of no return. Only God knows that. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's this king named Manasseh, King Manasseh. In the Old Testament, he was hard, he was evil. He led the whole nation into rebellion. He, he worshiped other gods and he sacrificed his own children to these other gods. He was an evil man. He performed witchcraft. He consulted mediums and psychics. Just so you know, those are demonic. Any power or force that is not of God and not from God is a demonic entity, even if it, you know, the Bible says that the, the, the demons mask themselves as angels of light to deceive many, to lead you from God, okay? So he was an evil man. And it says that, that God spoke to him, the Lord spoke to him, and he paid no attention. So the Lord brought judgment, and he brought him, this king, and his, and his people. Um, um, he led them away by the Israeli army, and it says that the king humbled himself before God because he had hit such a rock bottom, humbled himself before God and sought after him and the Lord was moved and restored him. Now, I don't know anybody that's reached that level. I don't know anybody that's reached that level of, of sinfulness. We don't know the point of no return, but the point is, is that we can resist him. And we can resist that conviction and that calling so that we no longer hear or pay attention to what he says. And so can I encourage you this morning and can I challenge you this morning, every one of us, every person who calls on the name of the Lord, you're here today and you're listening and you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you call yourself a follower of Christ, you call yourself an apprentice. Don't resist the Holy Spirit's convicting. Don't resist his calling. He's, if you are reborn, he's trying to make you more like Christ. He's sanctifying you. He's working in your life to make you more like Jesus. Do not resist him. If you have yet to call on Jesus, but right now you feel that conviction, do not resist him. Do not resist him. But listen to his call because the more we resist, the less and less we're gonna hear his voice. Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. 
Listen to his leading, guys. Because through him and by him and for him, we are born again. So I wanna end this a little different. I wanna pray for you. I want you to pray with me. And I just wanna say a simple prayer. Sometimes I feel like people look at pastors and people who have been following Christ for a long time and they look at how they pray and they say, man, I can't pray like that so God can't hear. So I wanna pray a really, really simple prayer. So everybody within the sound of my voice, wherever you are right now, I want you to bow your head. And if you're in this, you're like, listen, I want to follow the leading of the Spirit. I want, I want the assurance. I want to hear his conviction. Whether you, this is the first time maybe you're praying this prayer or you've prayed this prayer and you've been following Jesus for a long time, I just want to lead us in a simple prayer. So I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. If you're on a couch or you're in your living room or you're, you're in your kitchen, wherever it is you're, you are, maybe stand to your feet if that's going to cause you to engage a little bit and open up your hands. Just palms up like this. It's a posture of openness and reception. And you're gonna repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, convict me of my sin. All my sin. And convince me of my need for Jesus. Convince me of the gospel truth. Renew me, regenerate my heart, and make me new. And let your voice in my heart, in my mind, in your presence be assurance that I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, church, if we prayed something simple like that every day, Lord, today, convict me of my sin and convince me of my need for you and renew me and assure me of salvation, I think we would see greater and greater transformation in our lives. So recognize today that you are saved. If you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are saved because of the Spirit, not of anything that you've done. You're not good enough. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, listen, I would love to pray with you. Can you reach out to me? You can email me, you can call here at the church. I will get in contact with you. I'll walk you through that. We'll, we'll talk together, I wanna help you. If you feel that conviction, respond. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is a work of God and let it humble us and lead us to worship. Hey, listen, God bless you. Remember June 20th and 27th outdoor services. We need volunteers. We're gearing up for kids ministry. We need volunteers. Parents, I'm calling on you who are gonna use it. Volunteers, serve with us. Let us make Parkway flourish. Amen? Well, God bless you. We'll see you next week right here in the same place. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.